Welcome to Planners for the Planet. We are your hosts, Candice Tulsaram and Natalie Lowe, self-proclaimed eco-warriors, climate optimists, and passionate event professionals. Tune in as we talk to a wide variety of event and environmental professionals for practical information and inspiration on how to reduce your impact on the environment and become a more sustainable event professional. This podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest the information and expand your knowledge on climate action in a way that doesn't overwhelm you. Hello and welcome back to Planners for the Planet. Today, I'm again going solo as Candace is jetted off to Florida, not taking her partner in climate. I guess she felt her husband took priority over me on this trip, but soon, soon we will travel again as a as an event planning team. But today we actually get to meet one of our favoritest people, Melissa Delorier. Melissa was part of TSEF right from the very beginning. I met her at our first live event and uh, she's uh, been a great fan and uh, sounding board and um, all, all things you can imagine that you would want from a friend and colleague to TSEF. So we wanted to talk to Melissa about her experience in sustainability and events, both personally and professionally. And, um, how she's found the ride. So, Melissa, welcome to Planners for the Planet. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you so much. What an introduction. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, from the beginning, it's, uh, you know, our, the stars aligned. I found the Sustainability Events Forum and, and you and Candice and thought, uh, hey, I'm going to jump on this bandwagon because they're definitely in the same frame of mind that I am. And let's see where this ride takes us. So, yep, along for the ride, here to help where I can. And uh, it's been a blast so far. So looking forward to see what the future holds, for sure. Uh, Excellent. Well, it it has actually, sometimes I feel a little guilty about how much fun we have, right? Like we're doing serious work, but we try not to take ourselves too serious. Well, I try not to take myself too seriously. <laughs> Probably Candace doesn't take me that seriously either. <laughs> I swear she puts me on mute for a lot of our meetings. It's all good. It's all good. Let's me get it out of my system. My uh, my my rant on the fossil fuel industry. But Melissa, you work. Speaking of industries, yes. you work in audiovisual. I do. Tell our listeners a little bit about what you do and your background, because you have quite the background. Oh my goodness, what a wild ride it's been. Yes, I don't think anybody honestly goes to school and says, hey, I want to grow up and be an audiovisual professional. Um, I don't think I really understood <laughs> that the uh, that it existed, quite honestly, when I was back in school. Um, when I was in high school, I had a passion for animals and thought I was going to become a veterinarian, to be honest and perfectly frank. Wow. Um, but I was very involved in student politics. So clearly, you know, being involved in committees and getting stuff done has not changed. I was the uh, I was the social convener, student council president, <clears throat> you know, all those all those fun things, very, very involved and decided actually in the final year of high school, you know, right at the bitter to end that no, I wasn't going to become a veterinarian. Yes, I was going to go take business and communications, much to my father's chagrin. He is a biologist. <clears throat> so he thought I would go that route and I did not. 
Um, and then I ended up in back in Halifax. I'm a maritime girl. My parents are in New Brunswick, um, grew mm-hmm. up in both Nova Scotia and New Brunswick and took communications and absolutely adored it. Um, learned an awful lot about how we communicate, how organizations get messaging out there. I love it, Natalie, when you talk about greenwashing, because then I'm like, you know what, in the, in my world, being a, a communications PR professional, I did learn you can put a spin on anything. And that means virtually anything. But let's get to the heart of the matter and what the real facts are. So um, on that note, uh, when I graduated from university, it was a recession. It was a downturn. I had worked throughout university with an entertainment company, um, actually spoke at student leadership conferences across this great country of ours, which was my goal at the time was to go to every province in Canada before I was 30. Um, I've made it to every single one in my lifetime, except for Saskatchewan. Oops. I'll get there eventually. (laughs) Jeff's going to want to know about that. We're going to have to fix that. I know. I know. I'll have to fix that one. Um, so I ended up, uh, in sales, actually entertainment sales. And I realized I loved it that working with clients and helping them, Um, At the time, it was working with high schools and universities from Thunder Bay West on their uh, dance programs, so their social events. So helping them with that, I just, it was right up my alley. It's the events background. And I did that for a while. And then I joined the the original team at Telav in Toronto. So I moved actually from Halifax to what everybody affectionately calls the center of the universe when I was... 22, <laughs> packed up everything I owned, my little Jetta, and up I came and we, thought, oh my we God. Had, we had other words for it in, <laughs> in Western Canada. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. But you know, you come up here from two lane highways and you see the plethora of people and industry and you just go, okay, well, yes, I understand why this is the center of business, but oh yeah. my goodness, it's very, very mm-hmm. overwhelming. Yep. So yep. yeah, we have some similarities there. Yeah. Mine was a Toyota Corolla, and I think I got as far as the Marriott at the airport. Yeah. I pulled over and called my cousin who lived in Mississauga. I'm like, "Hell, it's true. I've just driven across Canada, but I'm scared of the 401." It's so true, right? You can, I could yeah. make it through all the maritime provinces through Quebec, and holy smokes, you make it to the airport, and I go, "Could somebody please explain Collectors and Express to me? Because I don't know. I really don't yeah. know." And now it's, they honk at you when you do the wrong thing. They, they do. And it's a no brainer now, right? Like a total no brainer. Um, but having said that, so <clears throat> worked in events, worked um, with what was at the time uh, Telav, ISTS, my um, first kind of sales role on the real event side was simultaneous interpretation. So I was an expert in that for many, many years. I oh. still consider myself you know, somebody who has um, been blessed with working with an awful lot of events around the world and in multiple languages. Wow. Yeah. So when we're ready to go global and we need simultaneous interpretation, interpretation we'll find you the right So cool. Yeah. So you, you know what, you meet some really wonderful people, you get to understand and be involved with some really, really great events. And uh, from there, it kind of, it blossomed into understanding more about audiovisual um, working with the organization that I was in at the time. And I was with the, um, you know, what is now Encore, the Freeman family for over 20 years. 
And in my role, I did everything from sales to management to special projects, working on acquisition. There was a time before my daughter was born, in fact, that I commuted between Montreal, Dallas, and Toronto. I don't, don't recommend getting on a plane that many times to anybody. Uh-uh. But, but let me tell you, it's an eye opener to see what's out there and what's going on in the world, right? Outside of your mm-hmm. own backyard. And I think, I think that's important. Um, so I, I learned a heck of a lot. Um, and I realized that there is, um, a great deal to experience in the events world. I mean, if I had stayed writing press releases for government office for the rest of my life, there is no way I could say I worked on the Olympics. I worked on G8, G20 summits. I've met presidents and prime ministers and, and I've met everyday folks who are just wonderful human beings making differences in their own backyard. So it's, yeah, it's afforded me a lot of really good things. So today I am, uh, I'm I'm back to my roots. I'm the director of marketing at a, at a boutique audiovisual company, uh, BB Blanc. And uh, I also teach part-time at Conestoga College in Waterloo in their um, hospitality program for the event management certificate. I teach production and staging and event management. Um, And it's great for me to be able to take the lessons learned back to the classroom and then help the folks that are in the classroom connect with those of us who are in the real world. Because I think there's there can be a a disconnect between education and reality. So if I can connect those dots and, you know, people did it for me years ago, here's my chance to give back um, and get them out there and connect them with the right people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's the very long introduction of how I got to here. I thought it was interesting though. I still can't believe that you made it to none of it before you made it to Saskatchewan. So our buddy, Jeff, from Saskatoon, we're going to have to connect and fix that. I know. We need to do a TSEF in Saskatoon, and I'm sure we're going to need to. Actually, I should clarify. I've been to all all provinces except Saskatchewan, and I have yet to get to the territories. I was supposed to go to the territories when COVID hit, so let's just say that's on hold. <laughs> oh, there you go. There we'll you go. get there. So you've been to NWT and... And none of it or neither one? Of no, I've yet. been to neither one, but I will I will okay. get there. I've done events there. I just haven't actually been in those locations. So I've coordinated from afar. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, my last one was Newfoundland. Beautiful province. Me, Beautiful province. Yeah, it took me like 50 years to get to Newfoundland. Yeah. yeah. Mind you, it's a long walk from Alberta. So It is. Know, no wonder it took me that I long. know I was going to say. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it's crazy because I grew up with so many people from Newfoundland. I felt like it was someplace that I should have gotten to really soon. Um, And I found it interesting, you know, you said something at the beginning where you were talking about you found us and it aligned with what you were already thinking. Have you always been interested in the environment or did something happen that really piqued your interest in more sustainable events? You know, that's a a really, really good question. And I don't think there was one event where I had that aha moment and said, I want to be involved in this respect. I think it's, um, uh, I have always grown up with uh, and been in a family with a great deep respect for nature and the world around us. And I think I was always taught to leave somewhere better than you found it. And I think that's still very, very important today. So that was always ingrained in me. 
And then, as I jokingly said, when I moved to the center of the universe, um, it's, you know, I see Toronto and Ontario as kind of this, this big corporate bubble. And there were a lot of things that I could see going on thinking there are changes that can be made if we just look outside at what other folks are doing and invest in those best practices and bring them in, right? Like, do we have to have all this, um, uh, food waste, or do we have to have all of this, um, you know, just the garbage after events sometimes can be very mind boggling for me. And oh, I think yeah. because I'm there from the very, very early hours during setup with our crews till sometimes, you know, well past tear down as we're, we're getting out of the buildings. And, yeah. and some of the things I see, I just, I know the folks who are involved with setup and tear down are shaking their heads as well going, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be yeah. some economies of scale. There's got to be, yeah. and you know, as much as I mean, don't get me wrong, businesses are in business to make money and people need to work to survive. But it, even in the events world, and I've said it in the past year during the pandemic, is there a reason for your event? Why, why are you hosting this event? And it could it have been an email? Could it have been a phone call? Does it need to go to the expense and the extravagance of, you know, whether it's virtual or whether it's in-person was there another avenue that we could have taken and been just as effective and sometimes even more so? So I think we have to look at the what is the overall impact, both on messaging and on the environment. So, you know, yeah. you, you, you strike a chord with me. A while ago, I read something, um, very hardcore environmentalist, but also a business person, and he put something out to the effect of, what are you doing and why are you doing it? And if your industry or your job involves you devastating the natural environment, maybe it's time for you to get out. And, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but it was a real strong wake up call that as the climate emergency gets worse, mm -hmm. it, we run the risk if we don't change of just becoming, as I'm, you know, I'm sure you've heard me say before, and as I'm fond of saying, Climate emergency is here. Are you going to react to it like a Netflix or like a blockbuster? Mm -hmm. Who do you want to be, right? And um, I, I think we saw the pandemic come and sort of start to devastate our industry. But what I'm finding interesting is the number of events that are staying virtual. Um, and while we missed parts of traveling, I find that interesting a bit too because we also complained a lot about traveling. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I find us in this kind of weird place and it, maybe it's part of the next question that I have for you. And that is that you've seen so much of our industry and we are starting to become more sustainable, but compared to other industries, it's been so slow. Why do you think our progress relative to other industries has been so glacial? You know, oh, that is so tough. And, uh, and I knew you were going to ask me that one. And I thought about it. And I'm like, Oh, geez, what do I say there? I think it's twofold. In fact, I think it's um, because our industry is an industry about trends. And what's the hottest new trend, right? So I think we're always we're changing, we're trying to keep up so rapidly that sometimes we forget about the very important foundation pieces which has stayed the same all the time, right? It's kind of like um, 
it's the farmers on the farm. They still stick with the basics. They still stick with the foundation. Those things don't change. So even if there's some new trends coming in, they do know enough that those the, the foundation runs deep, just like it does on a house. You got to stick with it and then sprinkle in the other things as you go. And I think that we haven't had enough of a coordinated effort across the board to work together to really impact change, right? So if we have that coordinated effort where we all say, um, you know, we're going to get rid of single-use plastics because that tends to be the one that everybody jumps on. Okay, well, how are you going to do it? And how are you going to do it now that we're just coming out of a pandemic? Like, how do we keep people safe? What are the best practices? So I'm watching to see what's working in other places and can we embrace those really good ideas? Because those are the trends we really should be focused on, right? The things that work, the things that are manageable, the things that people can easily embrace. And then that will help us move our messaging forward. Mm -hmm. Because if nothing else over the last year, as you said, we love to travel, we love to be out and about, but folks have really taken the opportunity to explore their own backyards right? So they've been spending a lot of time at home, but, you know, frequenting the parks and the conservation areas in their area. Um, what surprises me about that, and I've always been somebody, as a family, we've always done that. So it's not, it's no different for us to go to the local conservation area. Right. But those people are struggling with the influx of people in the area and just the sheer volume of traffic, garbage, people like it's overwhelming our park system so we just weren't ready for that so how do you explain to people that hey it's wonderful that you're out there exploring mother nature but you have to go back to what i said before leave the place better than you found it if you're going to you know take that granola bar in take the wrapper back out with you or better yet, just make your own little baggy or your, your, you know, Tupperware container of granola and take it in with you. Right? Like, come on. Okay. I have a confession here. Every time I think of the word granola, I think of BC because when you're growing up, we used oh, to yes. call everyone who was in BC yes. a granola. We did. We yeah, totally yeah, you'd did. You wear your socks and your yep. Birkenstocks yep. and you were in natural fabrics and you yes. ate a lot of granola. Yes. Um, which is an unfair, um, which is an unfair characterization of uh, sustainability people. But we've come a long way in a short period of well, time. Well, we totally have. Um, it's just one of my favorite snacks. So that's <laughs> <laughs> why. Oh. There you, there you go. Now, you identified something that we've struggled with, and that is the fragmentation of our of our industry. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think, you know, from all aspects, from an education perspective, from a standards perspective, meetings is a weird, you know, meetings, events, whatever you want to call it, is kind of a weird place. And um, we have struggled with getting people engaged because everyone wants to go and do their own thing, right? <laughs> yes, um, each they industry do. association do. wants to do their own thing. And, and so, you know, the only thing that we found is that we have to support everybody because at the end of the day, the planet trumps personal. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you, um, you had, you had prepped me a little bit by saying, okay, so what's the, you know, what are the things that we can do? And I was like, oh my God, how do I come up with the goals and the objectives of what we can do as an industry? That's a, that's a big golden nugget right there. But the one thing I think we can do honestly is we have, um, we have a depth of knowledge and we have a great network of folks who quite frankly, uh, care and give a damn. And that makes all the difference in the world. So how do you harness that power, right? People who are passionate, people who care about other people, who, who want to build relationships and the betterment of our world. So you go, okay, with all these different associations, and there's a reason why folks will gravitate towards one association versus another based on their own goals and objectives. But I think you, we can all agree that every single association out there, whether it's, um, you know, the destination boards or whether it's um, ILEA or, you know, Professional Conference Managers Association, any of those, I think we need to have a representative from each one of those associations come together in a group and form the own, whether it's, this, you know, sustainability coalition or something that says, okay, these are best practices. Now we're going to take them back to our committees because they all seem to have a sustainability committee or messaging, but we're not working in cohesively. We're not working together. And that's what we need to do is work together because the simple things make the difference when you work together. Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I became president of CANSPAB, I uh, used to have something called the alphabet lunches. Yes. And, um, and, and it happened because when I became president, I'm like, oh, okay, so I just know all those people get to talk to each other and they're trading ideas. And it just must be so cool to be in that club. I can't wait to be in that club. And then I got there and they're like, no, there's no club. And I'm like, okay, well, let's make a club. So it sounds to me like um, that's exactly what we, and you know, we've, we've done parts of it because, you know, I went to a high school that didn't per se have cliques, but if there were any cliques, it's like, you don't belong to anyone. You just kind of dip your toe in and out, right? Who's having right. a good party this weekend? That's so right. I think we have to, you know, kind of find a way to, to do that. So it sounds like we have to have the sustainable alphabet club. Um, and um, I, th I think I, so. And, list. and I think, I, I think you do that because you're right. It's kind of, it's kind of like a club, but if I have one takeaway from our pandemic year in events. And I got this sitting on various panels, talking to clients, talking to colleagues. They all said the number one thing that benefited them was getting on the phone, quite frankly, with their peers and their colleagues. So people who are in the same role that they are and comparing notes and they never would have done that before. Why? You're yeah. not, you're not like, it's not a doggy dog world. It's like, we're in this together. We want to succeed. And when it comes to the earth, yeah, we really want to succeed because we really want to make sure it's still here as, you know, as we move forward. So I am having a cobbler's kids without any shoes moment because 
I did the alphabet lunches. Yeah. So I should have figured that out. But then as soon as the pandemic hit, I was the past president of CanSpep when it hit. And we immediately started something that took off and which we opened to the industry was very successful. We called it um, the lemonade stand. Said, okay, we've been handed lemons. How do we make something good out of this? And we would have those calls. And um, of course, true to my form, I delegated all of those calls to all my other past presidents. So they, they, I mean, they took it and ran with it. They made it what it was. But, you know, I'm just having that cobbler with no you know, kids with no shoes moment thinking, yeah, of course. And, you know, we've done a little bit of that yes. reaching out to different people. But I think you're right. Coming out of the pandemic, it's time to kind of make it formal and um you know, we've we've tried to work across all and people have been fantastic and great. But you're right, is that what's keeping us back is um, that that inability to sort of cover coast to coast. And um, and I'm the only I'm I'm usually the person I'll pick up the phone to anybody. So I'm 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 taking your feedback and I'm making a note. Mia culpa. <laughs> Thank you. My well, bad. No, and, and you know what? And I think it's one of those things as well. And I'm I'm putting on, you know, my professor's hat here where it says in a lot of those associations, whether we realize it or not, those of us who are veterans in the industry, we've been around for a really long time. We know each other. The faces don't change. We've become comfortable yeah. with each other. But boy, do I remember being that 20 something who had to go to that MPI meeting who was scared to death and nobody would talk to me. And I just, it was like, okay, how do I get on that committee? And I mean, my mentor at the time was fantastic. And he's like, volunteer for something and you'll get to know people. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. But I think we need to reach out to that, you know, the lost soul in the room and say, hey, how would you like to be involved in this? Or if I see a student who, and, and I've done it in the past, who has been you know, very passionate about the environment. Hey, you need to put yourself on this committee and get yourself out there because you have brilliant ideas that maybe we haven't thought of before. And the more we brainstorm together, the easier it will be. You know, many hands make light work. They absolutely do. You're right. We owe it to ourselves, not just to lead, but to go find that person in the corner and reach out and pull them forward. You know, in our conversation, the message I'm picking up from you is how can I support other people Mm -hmm. who might be scared to take that? And that is a lot of what TSEF wants to do is that we don't want to be your gurus on climate. We want to help you become leaders in your own area and really see that nurturing style of leadership come through from you. And so I have a question for you as a supplier in the industry. Yeah, yeah I was thinking of that. Okay. Yeah. What do you want to see from the planners? What do you think you need from them for you to be a partner with them to help make their events more sustainable? Um, again, great question. And I'm going to be completely honest in what I see and feel in the industry is that we need to get back to having those conversations. It's about conversations. It's not about sending me an RFP where I can fill out the, you know, Excel spreadsheet with numbers beside equipment and fire it back to you because nowhere, and I understand procurement departments need that, but nowhere in that exchange is there room for conversation about what are you trying to accomplish and what's important to you? 
So for mm -hmm. example, you know, it's been, oh gosh, I would say it's been five to 10 years now on the audiovisual side of things where we have had access to um, rechargeable battery operated lights. And they are good indoors, outdoors, great little accent pieces. So you're not running cables, you're not running, you're not, you know, taking a lot of power out of the facility to run these lights. And lights, like if I go back to the beginning of my career in events, so let's go back 25 years, lighting would just eat up your budget, both in expense on the lights and the expense on the power to run them. Well, now they're the most, one of the most environmentally friendly things about your event. So why don't we capitalize on those things? And if we can have a conversation, I can say, you know, you really don't need this, or this would work a little bit better. And you know what, it's going to be better for not just you, but the environment as well. And, you know, and if yeah. that's something you care about, and it really is worth the conversation, and it's worth like, can this event be run off of a generator? Sometimes they can, sometimes they can't. Um, do we need to bring an excessive number of trucks? Who knows? Maybe we can cut it back. We don't need that many, right? It's, right. but again, it's not just filling out a spreadsheet. It's so much about the conversation. And I, I don't know, as we move forward with, you know, texting and all of the different messaging ways we have of talking to people, we've <laughs> lost that value of having the conversation. Maybe we'll get back to it more. As we go, oh my gosh, I haven't seen people in so long. I need to talk like I've been rambling on here forever. So <laughs> it's, it's yeah. that sort of thing, yeah. right? So I think as a supplier, yeah. we strive to be up to date. We want to make sure that we're doing the right things with for our, you know, by our people, for our people, for our events, for our clients. And we do, we're invested a lot in technology and electronics. We do recycle those at the end of their lifespan. Um, so I think, it, and people maybe aren't aware of that. So, you know, they, they may think, oh, what, what happens to my iPhone at the end of its life? Well, we do think about that when it comes to projectors and computers and those sorts of things. So feel free to ask us. We're happy to tell you. Yeah. 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 It, it's, you know, you're right about it being a dialogue though, is that, you know, when I talked to, um, someone probably about a year ago now, we were on a, um, uh, um, a big call together. We happened to be in a breakout group and, you know, we were talking about the EIC standards and sort of what their survey had, had discovered. And mm -hmm. what she said that they had really found was that planners weren't asking and suppliers didn't feel like they had an opportunity to tell, Right, which is exactly that, that dialogue. So, you know, big part of what we want to do at our events is getting going. What are the good questions to ask? How do you start to have these conversations? And, you know, there's something to be said for having a free flowing conversation. Yes. Or having just letting it go. And I always tell people I'm not a planner. I'm a DMC. I rely heavily on my creativity. I am an excellent problem solver. But the reason that I'm like that is because I am exposed to a lot of different information. And I find sometimes in the planning process, when those planners get their planning hats on and planners who are listening, I am not picking on you at all. Candace is a planner. I love her dearly. She keeps the the, uh, the train on the track. She certainly does. Here. Yes. But, um, but, but you need to have that other side too, where 
you know, I'll come back with this idea to do something differently. And at the beginning, you talked about your experience going outside of Canada and being exposed to a lot of different things. And I always feel like we have an opportunity through our clients' topic matters and their subject matters to learn about more things than we do. Yes. Right? So I, I think that we need to be a little bit more open to that. And, you know, something you said earlier, I think if you're a planner selling yourself as an expert on logistics, you're missing the point. Right. It's it's the you know, the uh, we just, you know, looked at some interesting thing in the book, the art of gathering. What is the, you know, and you asked the question, what is the purpose? What are you trying to achieve here? Is this a team building? Is this education? What's and, uh, you know, I think events are a lot about energy and about that feeling that you want to have people come away with and and are you motivating them are you enlightening them are you engaging them you know how do you want them and i see nothing in the sustainability area that would ever impede that so if you know i i'm feeling a sense i don't know how you took the heat dome last week that hit me hard <laughs> yeah i was like you know i grew up in Alberta, you know, we had a, a cabin on the Shushwap Lake. Um, that was where I spent, you know, summers um, when we weren't on the farm, which my parents also thought was kind of like a cabin, which was misguided, but that's a different podcast. Um, but, you know, it, it was hotter in Kelowna than it was in Riyadh on, on certain days. So, I am feeling this sense of like, come on, guys, we got to wake up. We got to wake up now. Um, and we really need to take things. It, things just need to happen faster. We need to create a flywheel, as um, Jim Collins would call it, right, where we start to innovate off our innovations. And, yes. and how do we get that working faster? So if I was to ask you any big, crazy idea, a moonshot, oh, if you want to call it that, on how we could change faster. Now, you've identified one, I think, which is we need to create a platform through which we can communicate, right? That really gathering spot. Um, yes. So you know I'm going to make a phone call to you after this. But yes. I do that. But well, where do you think, what's a big crazy idea that you think that we could? We could uh, you know what? And, and I think of this every time we have a TSEF event. Or meeting and I go you know I, I, I put my head down I've thought about it I don't have any big crazy ideas I wish I did you know I go we just I haven't been able to find that moment where the light bulb goes off other than it's take the time to educate others and if you see the opportunity where you can have that dialogue have that dialogue mm -hmm. that's the important thing like mm -hmm share the successes or share other people's successes and tell them about it. So for example, when TSEF does a wonderful event, just like any of my other clients who would do a great event, I'm going to share the successes and say, you should have been there because you would have heard about this. And did you know, um, like, look at Victoria, what a wonderful city and such a sustainable spot. And the fact that the events that go there know their carbon footprint, like, holy cow, wow, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if yeah. the, same with Edmonton, right? If yeah, you're, you're at the convention center. Edmonton's another one. 
And I've been to that yeah. convention center <clears throat> and I worked there and it's, it's uh, yeah, great folks. And, and you know what, they have the dialogue, right? Cause they're passionate about it and they're going to, they're going to help you along the way. And I think those are, it's, there's no big landmark idea that I've, that I've ever had other than, um, you know, whatever you do in your personal, do in your, your corporate executive persona as well, have those conversations, enable people to, to make it easy so folks can do the right thing. I think that's the big one. Yeah. yeah. Systems changes need to, to happen. Having the dialogue, um, you know, Catherine Hayhoe in her TEDx talk mm-hmm. says the best thing you can do for climate change is talk about climate yes. change. Um, and, you know, it was interesting. I had another guest challenge me on that and um, her response was, well, Natalie, I think you guys are all doing it, right? You created an umbrella which only talks about climate crisis and sustainability, right? That's all we are. So you kind of helped start that. <clears throat> Maybe you're our big crazy idea, getting all of you guys on on board. And <clears throat> we've been shocked at the support that we've gotten. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being brutally honest here. We were kind of thinking, eh, is anyone going to listen? Because we had heard from everybody else that nobody in the industry was listening. And what we found was if you kind of go stand in a neutral place, yes, people will come to to you, um, and uh, and and they want to organize around it. We also are finding that in our industry, we tend to have a little bit of um, what's the right word for it? A bias towards experience. That is changing. Mm -hmm. And in fact, on sustainability and creativity, I find the youth is leading. Yes. Yes. Um, And I think that we have to take advantage of, of that. You know, I'm 52 years old this, this year. I no longer want to run around like a crazy person for (laughs) 18 hours. (laughs) I mean, I do anyways, I but know. that's doing fun things, know. not, you know, doing work things. So. I was going to say it's much more exhausting today than it was when I was in my 20s. Yes. Although. Yeah. 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 You know, we used to do it like, yeah, for t- you know, and then we'd all go for drinks I know. afterwards. It's crazy. Like in high heels. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm like, you will take my bloodstones off me like <laughs> when I'm dead. <laughs> no heels coming here. Like there might be a wedge if we get really fancy, but that's about it. And you're you're right. Like the, we, we need to really embrace. Um, I think we found the way to do it. We just have to keep doing it. And that's something that you're hitting on is that it's kind of that old adage. An inch by inch is a cinch. Yeah, yes. by yard, it's hard, right? Is that we just got to keep, I mean, every event that TSEF has had, we've grown. Yes. Right? Um, and, and we've grown exponentially. So, you know, maybe we just keep on keeping on. Last question. <laughs> Give us your action item that you would recommend to people if they're looking at becoming more sustainable. We've had all kinds of recommendations. Candace recently has tried her hand at composting. I will say I've discovered I'm a winter composter. My summer composting is not going as well. <laughs> we've tried gardening. We've gotten rid of all the plastic. We've, you know, the water bottles, the coffee mugs, the, you know. But you live on a farm and you're open to some different <laughs> concepts. Well, yes. 
having a horse tour. <sighs> no, no, don't recommend that. I really don't. Um, and I, you know what? I don't think there's one single action item other than being conscious of your everyday decisions, right? Like it's the decision where um, something as simple as going out and purchasing something. And, you know, they always used to give you those plastic bags. Now they ask us, thank God. And what I do do when they ask me is I go, no, thank you. But thank you so much for asking, right? Because I don't think it's necessary. So please, you know, encourage, continue to encourage people not to take that bag. Right. And I think that just makes their jobs easier as they go down the road to ask that question and encourage people not to take them. Right. Because they'll get that message. You know, I am waiting. Now you commute to work. Right. Um, so in the last year, I've worked more remote than ever before. That's both in the classroom and then in the office itself. And, you know, quite frankly, I think most of us have realized, and I think, quite frankly, businesses have realized if you have the right team in place, they can work from anywhere. Because in the world of events, even prior to the pandemic, you know, I'd be working on a plane in a convention center in my hotel room, like in the backyard. <laughs> just when the work has to get done you do it no matter where you are so if you can refrain from doing that giant commute great um if you can look at what the you know what most economical way is to um you know purchase your groceries like we've we always try and support local for that um i know small scale farms in niagara is a wonderful group to support Um, and, and then just, you know, taking advantage of your communities, like recycling program, composting program. I mean, I affectionately say living on the farm, you know, we pay our taxes and I go, the only thing they do for me is take my one bag of garbage and my multiple recycling bins. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Um, But, you know, and find the, the best way to find things that work. I mean, if I were to say, what's my biggest pet peeve when it comes to the environment. Quite frankly, I live on a busy road. And it's the fact that over the last year, because people are getting out and exploring their backyards, the amount of garbage has exponentially grown in our area. And we're all on small farms. And I don't think people really truly realize and it's not a joke. Um, I mean, we all most of us feed hay to our animals. So you throw that garbage out. Yeah, it's on my property and I clean it up. But it ends up in our fields, which means it ends up in that bale of hay, which means it ends up in my animal's area. And do I want those animals to be eating it? No, we really don't. So that one person's action of I'm too lazy to pick up my own garbage (laughs) to take it to the garbage can really is, you know, that one decision you made really impacts others. And I think people need to understand the impact of their actions more than anything else. Yeah. So don't don't litter. You know, if you see one piece of garbage, you're more inclined to litter. But if you see something that's pristine, you don't want to, mm-hmm. you don't want to touch it. And there's a, a book, um, uh, I'll send it to you and I'll tag it on the thing about talking about making systems to make things more sustainable and, and following sort of our preset patterns of behavior. And, you know, it, it's kind of like, I, you get into the car, what's the first thing you do? You put your seatbelt on, right? Right. You get in, you put your seatbelt on. If you don't put your seatbelt on, it feels weird. Yes. You're conditioned to do that. Yes. Right? Like I have actually done that once or twice. And I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong? I feel like I'm like unstable or something. You better put the seatbelt on. 
So we need to create behaviors that is just normal, that you you go to your coffee spot and you bring your own mug, that you, you know, have things in place that can make your presence on the planet such a smaller footprint. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And it needs to happen and it needs to happen now because things aren't good. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. Agreed. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, you have been a fantastic guest and I thank you for all your wisdom. I have three pages of notes. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to Planners for the Planet on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. You can reach out to us by emailing us at info at tsef.ca. So that's I-N-F-O at tsef.ca. And stay up to date on future episodes and events by following us on all the social media platforms. Although I will warn you, we're not on Facebook that much. But you can just search for the Sustainable Events Forum and we'll pop up. Thanks again for listening. Love to hear from you. Have a great rest of your day.